0: wonderful, great friend, Dane, always like set myself up by calling myself wonderful or great, Chris,
1: and our wonderful
0: and great co-host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. How are you doing, Chris?
1: Other than being exhausted, man, I am doing wonderful. How are you doing, bud?
0: I'm doing great, you know, worked overtime at work, and we're moving uh, to another warehouse, and uh, we're not getting movers, so we're doing that on on top of, you know, for any teacher. It's, it's amazing. Um, I love my life. But anyways, I mean, you guys did not tune in to Wrestling Geeks Alliance to hear me ramble on about how much my life like. You guys want to listen to us talk about some news and stuff like that. We definitely have a great show for you guys tonight. Hope everyone's having a lovely Wednesday and a great week. Um, I guess let's get right into it, Chris. Let's start talking about what I call a uh, backwash. I mean, backlash. I mean, that pay-per-view uh,
1: that we watched.
0: Uh, how, how, what was your um, your overall opinion of Backlash? Just wondering.
1: Uh, the uh, WrestleMania lull has already started for me, bud. Like, uh, this pay-per-view overall for me was uh, not, very, not very great. That's, uh, that's kind I think of the most a, positive way to put it. <laughs>
0: I think that's a, a reasonable assessment. I think there were good qualities to some of these matches. But wonky finishes and certain other things just caused, uh, I don't know, uh, me not to like it that much. I think also, I mean, I'll give them this. The fact that WrestleMania was not even a month ago, maybe it was like a month and a day ago, I think it was like when they had that, wasn't, I don't know, sometime during this week. Okay, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a little bit tired too. I'll just admit it, all right? Either way, <laughs> we had WrestleMania, then we had the greatest Royal Rumble or the longest Royal Rumble, whatever you want to call it. And now, Backlash, all in a month. So I think it was just a little bit too much pay-per-view. And honestly, it's because a lot of the matches on all three of them were like, what the fuck happened there? Especially, like, having, you know, certain details about those things, like Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles at WrestleMania. And then Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles at the Greatest Royal Rumble. And then Shinsuke Nakamura, or, never mind, you get what I'm saying. Let's go into Backlash. (laughs) We're at the kickoff. Uh, what the fuck's the point of watching these damn kickoffs? I mean, ugh, God. You get one match. They want to put a couple other ones. That would be great. That's all I'm saying. You know, give the people something to do. But uh, we have the kickoff match of uh, Ruby Riot versus Bailey. Riot won with the right kick after interference from the Riot squad. I actually thought this match was pretty good. I think Ruby Riot has a hell of a lot of potential as a heel. Um, I'm assuming she's going to be doing something probably relatively soon. Uh, with Nia Jax, because I'm trying to think of like heels that Nia can take on in the future, but then again, we have the Money in the Bank match, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it was a bad match at all. Uh, Bailey and Sasha continued their feud that no one gives a shit about, which sucks, because it should be a pretty damn good feud. Man, that reminds me of, like, I don't know, Bray Wyatt and uh, Finn Balor. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Chris, how do you feel about this opening match?
1: I, I thought it was a it was a fine match. Uh, I thought the ending was kind of exactly what I expected it to be with, you know, Riot getting the win due to interference, um, essentially. And overall, I thought it was okay. It definitely reminded me of the same thing I would see on Monday Night Raw. But then again, it's the kickoff show, so I can't give them too much help for that. Uh, and also, I agree with you about the kickoff show only having one match on it because in this particular pay-per-view, the recaps that they were doing for these matches were kind of insane because they had no real these, or at least in my opinion, they they came out of World's Greatest Royal Rumble, and they had, like, what, two weeks to build some feuds? So I, I, I don't think we needed a kickoff show dedicated to a lot of these matches, um, either scrap it or at least do something with the 205 Live guys. They weren't even on the card at all, Yeah, from what I recall. So, outside of that, you know, I thought the match itself was fine. I also like what they're doing with Ruby Riot currently. I think uh, her coming over to Raw has helped her a bit, um, especially because they've been giving her some wins here and there. So, that's that's all positive Good too. And, and the crowd seemed into it for an opening match, which is which is always a good thing.
0: Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I would like to see more people other than who they bring. Like, it seems like just, uh, you know, the free show people, it's always Renee Young, which is fine. She always leads them. And then David Otonga, who doesn't do anything else there, you know, I don't I don't know what the fuck. I don't really care for his opinion sometimes, if I'm going to be honest with you. And I love Sam Roberts. I listen to his podcast. I'm a big fan of his. He looks just like Art Carfunkel, Gar- but I think he knows that. And uh, Peter Rosenberg is whatever. Uh, but man, just get like some random people. Like, could you imagine like Terry Funk commenting on stuff? Like, don't even bring Terry up to date on the product. Just sit him down and ask Terry, like, so what do you think about Roman Reigns? Well, you know, he's a really good worker. Nothing that. Yeah, just just do shit like that. Just bring on random ass people. Bring a random drunk guy out of the Ugh. crowd on
1: the fucking pre-show.
0: Make it interesting, you know? I don't. Know. Yeah,
1: I mean, um, I always I always tend to prefer when they bring uh like you know. When the King is on the show, I, I think agree. he's going to rest perspective for the most part, um, which I know he just recently had some health issues uh, in a kind of hilarious manner. It wasn't. But, uh, uh yeah, well, I, I, I can how, do it. How do you have
0: health issues with a hilarious manner? Well, you have a stroke <laughs> during sex, if you guys were wondering. Right. My yeah. Lord.
1: Yeah. King, he's married um, to a
0: 28-year-old. Love Jerry the
1: King. Feel <laughs> bad for him, but, you know same time it's like kind of <laughs> it's kind of a weird funny way to uh almost go out uh better than arguing with michael cole and then having a heart attack i guess there's way worse oh, ways to go yeah out. you're talking about jerry that is a um i sport. i i i really prefer when you get like jerry lawler and booker t in there as opposed to rosenberg and sam roberts just because i don't I guess they have a wrestling podcast but they're really promoted enough. They're not really part of the show to me. They're just kind of there. The best thing about Rosenberg is when he gets ran down by Kevin Owens, when Kevin Owens shows up <laughs> and just won't, just won't answer any of his fucking questions. Like that's that's cool. Uh, sort of, just a to have him.
0: City, Chris. You know, like have like a wrestler from that city. That's like, you know, like McFully's on for the pre-show. Give us a reason to want to watch this. Like I like they do that with Booker T, but it's like the, it's either Jerry Lawler, Booker T, that's the rotating seat, one of those guys, and then it's going to be the the four people that we talked about, Renee Young, Sam Roberts, Rosenberg, and Otaka.
1: I mean, the other thing is it's it's a weird show in general because they're just there to set you up for whatever video package they're going to show. So you're not even getting like real hot takes or anything. And, and I wish they would handle it more like they handle talking smack where they're actually having the people on to promote their matches as opposed to showing these like eight hour long video packages. Um, I get why they do that. Cause they think that, well, they're basically saying more people watch the pay-per-view than our weekly shows. So we got to keep them up to date, but it, it's still, I think you could accomplish the same thing with just having the wrestlers cut old school promos. Um, Yep. And like a talking smack type deal. I just never like the format of those shows in general, but um if you're going to do it, I I mean you have enough people in the Hall of Fame now, even some of the lesser known dudes. Uh you know like I mean just think of the people they just recently inducted. There's some lesser known people that you could you could put on there. Like get some Dudley's on there or something. Mark or Henry. Just do something fun. Yeah,
0: Bubba Ray. Mark
1: Henry would would be a good guy. Uh God, what is the guy's name? That just got inducted. He had an eight-hour-long speech, mostly talked about. Oh,
0: uh, Jeff Jarrett? No, 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 no. Um, uh, Hillbilly Jim.
1: Yeah, get yeah. Hillbilly Jim. On. Just, get, just bring in like you know Road Dogs back there. Get some. I know they're doing the Road Agent thing, but I'm pretty sure they got some downtime during the pre-show, so I think that would be interesting. But uh, uh you know, outside how of that, I don't, I don't know. Dean,
0: how about Malenko? Dean, what do you think about what's going to happen with uh with with Tonight with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Um, uh, I think he's going to go up there. He's probably going to look at him. He's going to be a (laughs) shooter. I actually actually, uh, went over the match with the guy. I know. Me and Michael Hayes. Just don't get Michael Hayes out there. Hey, what's up, baby? How you doing? No, we don't. I think that him and Southside Steve Rickman from, uh, well, you guys probably don't know Rock 100 unless you live in Georgia. But I think that uh, Michael Hayes and Steve Rickman. Long, long. Um, should we move on to the first match? I guess. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I think so. I think we're spinning. We don't, it. We don't yeah. have to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, we, we just don't. don't have to. Actually, let's talk about this match. This is a pretty damn good match. IC match for so the Inter- Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins defeated the Miz. Rollins kicked out of multiple skull-crushing finales and was able to counter a schoolboy roll-up into a curve stomp to retain the championship. I thought these guys had a hell of a match. Uh, Corey Graves said next night, match of the year, and I understand they're over-promoting it and stuff like that. I wouldn't go that far. It was a damn good match by both gentlemen. I think Miz works really well with Seth. I think Finn works really well with Seth. I think that Finn works really well with... Those three really had a good, unique bond from, uh, you know, working with each other for this last year. So, they have great chemistry, and these two showed it off. I mean, it was a good match. I knew Miz was not going to win because... He's not going to bring the IC title to the place where the U.S. title already is. I'm not an idiot. But I like uh, how he, uh, during the pre-show, I'll give him this, uh, tried to get the Miztraj back on his you know, radar and stuff like that, and they told him to go screw off. I like how that was uh, already a part of the storyline going into it. And uh, they had a good match. And uh, Seth is a badass. I, I like I, I liked how... And I guess it makes sense because his knee's already injured, so he already has, like, issues with it. But I'm liking how he's selling his knee and so damn good at it. Like, when he tried to do that suplex and then, uh, you know, proceed to try to pick him up for the next part of it and he couldn't get him up. Like, I like stuff like that. I like details. And he does a lot, but he doesn't do it enough where it's repetitive, at least to me. So I think both men actually put on a great uh, match and probably you should probably uh, just stop watching after this match, honestly. That's what I think. Uh maybe watch AJ Styles and Shinsuke and just know that it's a good match that's gonna go to shit real quickly. Oh a dick shot. Chris, what did you think? <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> I agree with you. I, I really enjoyed this match. I think the you know, the thing was the crowd was actually into this pay per view more than I expected to be uh, them to be. And they were especially into this match. It seemed like they were into it the entire time. Um which you could kinda tell that that Seth and, and Miz were playing off them really well, going to the, their bigger spots. Um, Rollins selling the knee as normal. Uh, Miz hitting skull-crushing finales. He hasn't picked up a win with that move in a while, so they should probably give him one soon, because I think his finish is starting to look a little weak in some of these matches. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I thought it was a it was a fun match. It was definitely my favorite match of the night. Um, I don't know where it falls with other people, but it was the one that probably just overall was, to me, was the best match top to bottom, you know, start to finish. Um, and yeah, Miz and Seth, they have a good chemistry together in the ring, which really showed in this match. And, uh, Miz has just kind of seemed like he's been a little bit revitalized after, uh, you know, having his baby and, and coming back. I think he's had some good matches and not necessarily on his promo hot streak as much, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with him now that he's, uh, separated from the title completely and he's back on, uh, SmackDown. And now he's mixed up into, well, I guess we'll get to it later, but he's going to be part of that money in the bank match, which, uh, was also one of my favorite matches on SmackDown. I'll get to that, but yeah, you know, overall top to bottom, I thought this was a good match, probably the best match on the card. So.
0: All right, let's continue. Um, the Raw's uh, Women's Championship match. And Jax defeated Alexa Bliss. Uh, Jax caught Twisted Bliss and countered into a Samoan drop to win the match. After the match, Jax was booed for cutting an anti-bullying promo. Um, I'm reading from the notes I have. Uh, I don't remember that part. I-, I thought that you just, you know, said a promo and was talking about anti-bullying, but I don't remember getting booed for it. Whatever. Let's talk about the actual fucking match. Um I, it's not that I thought this match was bad. It just was, okay, I understand I'm a, I'm a UFC fan. Uh, I got into it back when someone small like Royce Gracie was dismantling huge dudes, um, uh, you know, for his size and stuff like that. I get that you can do that. And it wasn't bad. I don't think Alexa Bliss is a bad worker. It's just it's not that believable. Uh, when she's dominating the match for the most part until towards the end, I mean, come on. I don't know. It just took me out almost immediately. I don't think she did anything bad. I think that was just a bad way to set it up. I think that she should have done some heel shit to hurt Nia, take out a leg or something like that, and use that as a way to be able to counter her instead of, like, she's getting the upper hand almost immediately. Um, This is the match that allegedly we don't know. I've I've heard different reports, but where Alexa Bliss uh, hurt her shoulder. I watched the match a second time honestly, to see where it could have been, and there was an Alabama slam that the only place I really could have pinpointed like that might have been it, but apparently Alexa's fine, it's, it's a work, I don't know. She announced herself to be in Money in the Bank, so her injury's not going to take her out of that. Um, so she, I guess she's going to be competing to get into that at some point. Um. So I don't know exactly, I just, if it was, it wasn't worth it. This match wasn't that great. Like I said, I think the biggest thing is it wasn't so much the working in the match. I thought both ladies did fine. I just think that it's not a believable, believable scenario. Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know really who you put Naya against in, in 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 this manner. It, it the weird thing is is Nia is playing the face here after she was booked as a monster for so long, and not that only a monster, but kind of kind of Alexa Bliss's monster in a lot of ways where you know that was the storyline is that they were friends and Nia Jax was you know a monster and destroying the rest of the roster and I mean absolutely destroying people and then to watch you know Alexa Bliss get as much offense in, is as she did in the way that she got the offense in um, I I agree with you it does take some of the believability out of the match and kind of takes it out of it but that's kind of where they booked their in a corner here by you know Making Jax do this anti-bullying thing. It's. I mean, I'm. Jax does get bullied online a lot, and I understand that uh, from the aspects of playing that into her character a little bit. And they definitely, you know, that's kind of Alexa's character as being sort of a a, a bitchy bully type person. Uh, it's really, it's really hard to do the complete 180 on Nia Jax when she was just demolishing, you know, Sasha and. Uh, Charlotte – well, not Charlotte, but uh, they got Sasha and Bayley for, what, like almost a year straight. Um, if you remember, when Sasha was hurt, she she beat her down with a, her, her, her uh, crutch in the middle of the ring not that long ago and re-injured her legs, supposedly. Like, they just don't care. Like, once it gets past three months, they don't care. They just kind of switch directions and go. And that's part of coming out of WrestleMania. That always seems to be the case. And that is probably more of how you feel about the match. If you really think about it. It's just the fast switch on Nia's character. I get what they're going for. But, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it worked the way they wanted it to work. It, I guess, as far as in the ring, what they were going for is that, you know, Bliss gave her the DDT on the steps. So, that's how she was getting her offense over. Um, but we've seen Nia get, like, hit with chairs and, and like, nothing happened. <laughs> So it's kind of, I don't know, it's counterintuitive. It's it's just one of those ones where it's like, hey, we booked ourselves into a corner, Naya needs to retain here, and we also need to either finish the storyline um, and we're doing a bully gimmick. So let's have her kind of promo afterwards. And, uh, you know, I, I think the message of it's fine with what they were trying to get across. Uh, there was a little bit of booing from the crowd, but that's just going to happen because some of them are just, not going to be into the storyline or, or the match that they watch. so I, I don't know how you prevent that. Yeah, I just want to say that both of those women
0: are beautiful to me, I think. It doesn't matter the size of both. Beautiful, beautiful ladies. And I know that they both had problems, one for being small. Obviously, she's the heel, which doesn't perform her actual like life stuff within it like they're making Nia do, but and I have for being a bigger girl, but beautiful woman, and uh, people suck. That's I guess the main thing, but so did this match. So whatever, uh, let's keep on going. United States championship match. Oh man. Jeff Hardy defeated Randy Orton. Hardy won by pinfall after a twist of fate in a swan time bomb. I love that. Randy Orton knew exactly to be where uh, he was supposed to for whisper in the wind. It, it seemed like he was like really anticipating that. Like, um, and they're like, Tinder. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was uh just slow and kind of, I mean, I've seen these guys have a match. I know it's been a while, but they've had better matches. I know, I don't know exactly what it was, but it just wasn't anything that kind of tickled my fancy at all. It kind of was boring and I was pretty sure Jeff was going to win and he did. That's it. Chris, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing with the first match where you kinda knew they weren't gonna flop the title, uh flip the title over, so kinda knew the finish. And then also I agree with you. I think the match was slow. Slow is not always, you know, not necessarily bad. It's just the last few Randy Orton matches have had a very, very slow pace to them in general. Um it's like he's tired. And like Well he
0: probably is and, in the break.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna get go down the Randy Orton road today, but uh <laughs> It was weird. I think the finish <laughs> almost came out of nowhere for me, you know? And, uh, like, yeah. I, I think it was Dave Meltzer. I was reading his review of it, and it was like, nobody expected the finish so clean or that early. Horton was technically good. And that's, like, basically <laughs> what he wrote out of a one-paragraph section of this match. Um, I thought it was fine. Like you said, it was just a little slow. And um, the setup to the finish wasn't really what I was expecting. I kind of expected more out of those two but I also don't know how rushed they were to get through this match like maybe that promo ran a little bit longer than they expected that's always one of these weird things on these pay-per-views especially now that they're trying to get so many superstars on one event because they're cross-branding it
0: yeah alright next thing uh, it's very like 50-50 with people some people really love this segment some people really hate the segment I actually really love it. <laughs> I understand, yes, all the other matches, like the next one after this, Daniel Bryan and Big Cavs, they have like a seven-minute match. They could have had more minutes added to it. I get that. But it gives a lot of guys something to do, and I thought it was overall pretty damn funny and charming. So when it comes to in the ring, I'm not that big of a fan of humor. But when it comes to stuff like this, like promos like The Rock used to do or or a stupid segment where you have like Elias arguing with Aiden English and all that type of shit, I kind of tend to like it more so maybe it's all about the placement. I have no idea. But Elias tried to sing, but was interrupted by uh, first the New Day, then Rusev Day, then No Way Jose with the conga line, including Brazongo and Titus Worldwide. Elias was finally interrupted by Bobby Roode, who hit him with a glorious DDT. Everyone danced, and apparently Bobby is over his smashed, smashed uh, lyrics uh, that happened to him a week before that. Either way, Chris... Where were you on this? Did you hate it or did you like it?
1: Uh, I'm I'm kind of eh on it. I think it went a little long. Um, I'm not going to yeah. go the route of some of the other people that kind of reviewed this thing. It, it was just kind of long, especially considering how short the, you know, the match before this, and the match after it was. Um, but I think it was, if you were there in the crowd, it was probably more entertaining than watching it at home. Um, I, it was fine. It, it had some moments to it, but I, you know, at about midway through, I was like, "Okay, let's wrap, let's wrap this up." But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would say that Bobby Roode got a big pop when he came out, hit his DDT. But outside of that, you know, it's just guys doing their thing, um, which is fine. I just with these pay-per-views, the way they're doing them, I'm hoping that it doesn't become a lot of this. Uh, especially with people like the New Day and Elias, because none of these guys actually had a match uh, yeah. on the entire card. And I don't, like, the tag team titles weren't even defended. Like, there's, I have more problems with the way the entire thing was booked, and the, I mean, the whole reason the segment exists in the manner it does, and the reason it was so long, is because they had to try to get all of these people on the pay-per-view, because they still big parts of the individual shows.
0: No, oh, I agree yeah. with you. And uh, another thing, I wasn't a big fan of, and I'm sure that you're with me on this. I don't ever have to see Bobby Roode work ever again.
1: Yeah, no, I'm good with that. I'm good. I'm good with uh, that. I don't.
0: I'm <laughs> gonna heel turn. Fucking jeez. Oh, like a year ago, he was one of the best heels in NXT, and now he's twerking with a new day. Uh, all right, so I guess, yeah, that segment does have its, its, its uh, bad concept. All right, so Daniel Bryan defeated Big Cass. Bryan won by submission with the Yes Block after the match. Cass attacked Bryan, which strikes him so bad, he loses him. Uh Well, actually, he loses Yes, Yeah, we'll get to that. Anyway you know, a very safe match. I think that, for the most part, uh, you know, we're going to have listeners that are pissed off that Dan O'Brien's not going to be in the Money in the Bank. I don't think they want him in Money in the Bank. And I don't blame them. I've seen Dan O'Brien As a fan that I've even watched, with that time period, like, live in front of me, I've watched a lot of, like, ladder matches. I've gone back and I've watched a bunch of shit. He's already done that type of stuff. He's already won Money in the Bank. There's no real reason to put him in that type of risky situation, I don't think. And yeah, I think that both Daniel, maybe even Daniel, more so, Ra and, and Dr. Maroon are being very careful. Like, this match, it was a very simple match, didn't do much. I wish that they would have let Cass kind of last longer during the Yes Lock. I, 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 Cass is a, is a heel. It's not going to really hurt him too much. They're like, he's a big guy. They made him look bad. He's a heel. Okay, what did he do right afterwards? He beat the crap out of him. So this is going to continue at... Um, Probably will be the, a match at Money in the Bank, I'm assuming, uh, you know, judging on what happened on SmackDown. But I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm okay with what happened. It wasn't that great of a match. But, you know, it it is what it is.
1: It is what it is,
0: brother. Um, Chris, how do you feel?
1: It was okay. It definitely felt like a like a TV match to me. It wasn't anything special or anything to write home about. I think it was good that Daniel Bryan got a win. Um that's probably the biggest thing coming out of this. The thing I didn't really care for is that you had a cast attack him afterwards, which basically just, just setting up another match between them, which I don't necessarily know that I care yeah. for, especially if you're going to slot it into a pay-per-view um, when I could, you know, see an Usos match or something else. Uh, not to say anything bad about big cast, but this, it, I mean, it, it there's other matches I would have preferred to have seen on this card than Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass. And I like Daniel Bryan, so I was excited to see Daniel Bryan. It's just this match does nothing for me. Um, and it was it a very quick match. LaBelle Locke, I do like, you know, even after Cass laid him out, the fans were still chanting, you know, you tapped out. kind of just points to how over Daniel Bryan still is. Um, but this was, you know, it was, it, it was a fine match. There's nothing really get too excited about. As far as, like, fans getting mad, I I, I tend to agree with you about the money in the bank thing. He doesn't really need to take unnecessary risks. Um, money in the bank, there's all sorts of crazy things that happen in that match. Obviously, there's a lot of bodies, a lot of ladders, etc. And also, it doesn't really do Daniel Bryan anything to win money in the bank. He doesn't really need to win it. He can just take on any champion at any point in time. He's just that over, um, Usually money in the bank is used to position someone in a manner to give them a little bit of heat going into whatever, you know, program they're going to put them in. And I think there's other people you could put, you know, that's not Daniel Bryan. Like I said, Daniel Bryan doesn't really need that. That At any point in time, they can just make Daniel Bryan a one, uh, you know, a number one contender if they want to go that route. Um, he needed it more when he won it than he would now, basically is what I'm getting at. Like if, if, he, if yeah. he was to go into that match now, I don't even necessarily know that they would he that he would win that match even going into it. Um, just because he doesn't need it. Like he's that over. He doesn't doesn't need to win money in the bank.
0: It's the same reason why I don't think Braun's gonna win money in the bank. I think that don't get distracted by whatever and someone else win it because he doesn't need it. Dan O'Brien's on that level too. They just don't. I mean that's probably the best uh reasoning for it. Let's go into horrible reasoning, though, Chris, and proceed to the worst match on the card, obviously, because I don't know what the fuck. I I, the ending of this match made me so angry. SmackDown Women's Championship match. Carmella defeated Charlotte Flair. Flair went for a moonsault but landed on her feet, hurting her knee. Carmella kicked Flair in the knee, then rolled her up to retain the championship. What poor ass fucking booking, really? So you're going to make the same exact scenario play out that you did for the IC match, which Seth Rollins has been doing this for a long time. Instead of actually having her sell it, though, you're going to try to do it like like that, like snap, snap, and all of a sudden it's over? Charlotte Flair. Charlotte freaking fucking Flair. I'm sorry. It just how – what was the reasoning behind that? Like it wasn't even that bad of a match at first. Carmella was doing her thing. She was stealing shit. You know, they were they were – Interacting fine, and then it was like it just went to hell, and it was like just over out of nowhere, abruptly, with a knee hit to Charlotte. She can't handle it. She got that bad from a friggin' moonsault, and then she's rolled up, and it's done. Like, all right, look, if we were if this is not a title defense match, this on SmackDown or Raw or something, I can get with it to an extent. I'll probably be still aggravated, but it's the pay per view, this is her trying to get her title back after she lost it. From Carmella, what the fuck was that bullshit? I just thought that was stupid. I thought it was really dumb and clumsy of the writing to do the same exact scenario with the hurt knee right after a fucking match with the same thing. I just, I, I didn't get it. I I don't know. Chris, am I, am I going crazy?
1: No, I mean, I think the big thing here to remember is that Carmella is not as good as most of the other Wrestlers Charlotte has faced, so they really have to dub down the match. So you're not going to get Charlotte's big comeback like you would if she was wrestling like Natalya or you know Oscar. Um, which is I'm you know I'm not saying that Carmela's awful. It's just the level of competition Charlotte's going for. It's it's going to be like a TV match. Um, Carmela's great on the mic. I don't think like athletically she's on the same spot, at least in ring wise as. A lot of the other opponents Charlotte has went went against, so I I get why they did the finish the way they did. It gives Carmella an out-screwing Charlotte over. I don't necessarily – I didn't necessarily care for it either. I didn't really care for this match. I thought this was probably the worst match on the card, and that's saying a lot because a lot of these matches weren't very good, at least not, you know, high-level good. I mean, like, this entire show, with the exception of Miz and, you know, the the Miz-Rollins match – Felt like an episode of Raw and not a pay per view. There was nothing special about it at all. Like, at all.
0: I agree. So, most of these, besides, well, I mean, you could see that, like, the first match, the IC match, could be a really good match on Raw or SmackDown. So, yeah, all of these were pretty much a Raw or SmackDown match, and most of them weren't good ones. So, like, all right, this next one. No DQ match for the WWE Championship AJ Styles versus Kinspey Nakamura went to a no contest when they kicked each other in the balls at the same time and um, got counted out in an ODQ match. But the ref is saying that he called it and uh, uh, that they couldn't continue the match. I, I get that. There's no disqualification. How the fuck does that even make any sense? I'm sure they're going to get up in a second. Why don't you let them, like, chill for a minute? You know? I mean, oh, Wouldn't the same principles apply if someone nailed some guy in the head with a chair and no DT match? Hold on one second. We've got to make sure for 10 seconds that he can get up. And then I have to rule it a no contest because I'm the ref. I understand he has the ability to do that. The way they did it was just stupid. And it was a good match. It was back and forth. It was very competitive. And it just had a stupid finish. It was like the last one at Friggin' Grand World Rumble. It's just... What the fuck? Who the hell's back there? Like... Coming up with these 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 lame ass finishes finishes for the world title match and even a better question, why the hell is this not the last match on the card? This has the world heavyweight championship on the line. What the fuck? Well, what the hell is the reasoning there too? I I actually, Chris, the reason why it frustrates me is because I thought the potential of this match was great, just like the last one. I thought they were actually really going back and forth. That sucked for AJ Styles when he flinged the chair at the Kinshasa and it came back and knocked him in the face and just split him open hard way. Um, you know, there was a lot of good elements back and forth. And, I mean, and then they just had that ending. And I I was like, what the fuck? why am I even staying up and watching this right now? How did you feel?
1: Um, it, I, I hated the finish. I thought... Up until that point they were both having like a pretty good match, probably one of their better matches thus far. Um, but the finish just put like the nail in the coffin. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, that was bad. Um, you know the worst part is? You could have just done a last man standing match and just did you know a double count out that way. Or you could have just done, you know, like yeah. there's other ways they could have done this and it would have made more fucking sense. Um just a standard no DQ match. It kinda reminded me of the finish they had. With Austin Aries and Neville, where Aries wouldn't let go of the, what was it? Whatever he had him locked in, I can't remember. Was it? God, what is the name of his show? Pendulum Um, or something? I can't think of the name of, of his moves. It's kind of like a Rings of Saturn, but different. But he had he had it locked in on Neville and wouldn't let go, and he got disqualified. And it was a no DQ match, or like basically they made him break the hold on the outside of the ring in a no DQ match, which is like okay that's what it was. They made him break the hold outside the ring in a no key match and then he got walloped with something and lost and that was like the last match you saw Austin a- Aries in in WWE but like stuff like that same thing with a cage finish um they're getting too cutesy with the shit as far as these finishes uh I don't know if you want AJ Styles to just keep the title just have him beat Nakamura in a no DQ match set up a rebound match like I, I don't know I, I they keep trying to do this one, like we're going to do one match this way one match this way and then get to the title to whoever we want or at least that's what they're going for but when they put these shitty finishes in there it really takes all of the steam out of the feud it was funny they both kicked each other in the nuts at the same time but that that shouldn't have realistically been the finish like I I, I don't know I I agree, I I agree with you. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, I don't know what you do differently if you don't want either guy to win. I mean, the answer is you just have AJ Styles win here because it doesn't matter. It's fucking backlash. And then you just have Nakamura screw him over again on SmackDown and you just set up the match again. I mean, that's, that would have been better than the finish they did. And it wouldn't have really hurt anything. You could have had Nakamura low blow. Or you could have had AJ Styles low-blow Nakamura and then roll him up into a pin and get the count. And been like, aha, finally, AJ Styles got Nakamura good. But the whole thing is, like, the payoff isn't that AJ Styles is going to get Nakamura back for getting kicked in the dick. It's that he's eventually going to lose the title. So, like, this finish didn't need to be a double countout. Or at least, in my opinion, it didn't. So, or, you know, a, a standing countout, I should say. There's no countouts in match technically. But once again like never, I don't know if that's ever been a rule. I don't ever, I don't remember them doing any, recently anytime someone's down doing a a standing count in a no disqualification match. Like they just do this shit whenever they feel it's convenient and that's kind of the problem. If they did this every time there was a match and you had if you had, I mean if you dramatically, if you had this happen in several no DQ matches leading up to this where they're like this is the rule and here's the drama behind it, and you have people actually sell the standing 10 count where they both have to get back to their feet before 10. But when's the last time you've even seen them do that in WWE? Like, even in a normal match, in a singles match, when's the last time you've seen in a singles match them do a standing 10 count? And, like, they actually sell it like they used to, like, uh, like in the 80s, like when both men are down and they have to fight their way up the ropes to get up. Like, it just doesn't happen that often, and it felt really fucking out of place and, and kind of dumb.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things that are kind of dumb. Like, you know, getting put in a chokehold, being completely unconscious, somehow Matt's dunk Anyway, but we'll get there. Um, just, just poor booking. Piss poor booking! Man, can you, like, imagine, like, all right, AJ, sit out. Yeah, Vince, what, what's up? We want you to drop the belt to Shinsuke Nakamura in a couple months. No problem with that. He's a good dude. We want you to get hit in the nuts 60 times. I'm turning into, like, Donald Trump with my, uh, with my <laughs> face on that. We,
1: we want you to get
0: kicked in the nuts 20 times. It'll be <laughs> huge. Anyways, um, I just so – all right, here's another thing. Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, defeated Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Man, you know Vince loves it when uh, Kevin Owens pegs, um, or not uh, Braun Strowman pegs Kevin Owens on the outside. My lord, that's yeah. becoming so much fun to watch every fucking time. Zayn kept trying to leave the match, causing him and Owens to get mad at each other. Last week pinned Owens after a vertical suplex. After the match, Strowman power slammed Owens, then caught Zayn and power slammed him as well. Yeah, if you want to piss off people and get people against one of your biggest babyfaces have them do heelish shit after the match. I don't think anyone really enjoyed that that much. God, it would have been so awesome if either him or Bobby Lashley. You can still present them as faces, but competitive faces and actually build up something. But if one of them, like, slammed each other, that would have been a hell of a lot better than, hey, look at these guys that we just kicked the shit out of. Let's kick the shit out of them more. Yeah! No, I don't, whatever. The, the stuff I did like in the match was how KO was like, no, we got to keep on going. Like Sam's like, fuck that! You know, like, you got a family. Like, what are you doing? And then, like, you know, KO, KO goes back inside the match from Sammy and then gets knocked around, comes back out, and Sammy's like, see? All right, let's get out of here. And then he throws him in. That stuff was funny, creative. I, I like that. But, you know, it wasn't the match itself. I like all these guys. I especially like Ron Stumman. I just think it was kind of a waste that made Sammy and Kevin look just awful. Still, I thought they would lose his treatment leaving SmackDown with the evil Shane McMahon bringing them down. What the hell was that? I don't know. Anyways, we're going to the two last matches. How did you like this one,
1: Chris? I, eh, it was what it was, man. I wasn't a huge fan of it either, I think. I, I don't, the biggest thing, my biggest problem with this is what the hell are they doing with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? And also, is Sami Zayn a heel and Kevin Owens a face? And are they just going to do that rivalry from a different angle? Because I said they should have done that, like, months and months ago on SmackDown. So, I, I don't know. I just – I don't know what they're going to do with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Like, I think Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman will be fine because they're both big dudes. And, they you know, there's places for them. I just don't know what they're going to do with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I feel like they're just going to get lost in the shuffle. And they're going to be like, you know what's cool? Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Let's go. And then they're only going to give them, like, seven minutes to work a match at the beginning of, like, another one of these pay-per-views. And I don't look forward to that. Uh, The match, there was funny spots with, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but outside of that, you know, there wasn't anything incredible in the match that really stood out. Um, And the crowd was definitely dead when when, uh, Zayn just got, you know, when got power slammed by Strowman, It just seemed, like, unnecessary. Uh, Which, I mean, normally I'm all for Braun, like, slamming some folks, but it didn't help that the entire time Kevin Owens was trying to fight him by cell, so it kind of made you just kind of feel sympathetic. Maybe that's what – if that's what they were going for, and they're actually going to change, you know, Kevin Owens to a face or something, then that's fine. It's just a weird – It feels like they should have already done that when they were on SmackDown. When he, like when (laughs) Shane, kept legitimately screwing them over, over and over and over again. So I I don't know. I wasn't a fan of the match. It was fine.
0: I think I know exactly what we need to do. We need to get Vince McMahon to come on an episode of Raw and let Kevin Owens give him a huge headbutt to the head, hard way, and bust him open completely. Maybe that will raise the stock, turn him into it. Anyways, all right, let's go to the last match. Roman Reigns beats Samoa Joe for the match, Put him through a table, but that wasn't enough to keep him from losing to a spear. Just want to let everyone know, apparently um, Vince was trying to get heat on Joe and sympathy on Roman. That's the reason why he, there was a lot of rest lock because he was trying to piss off the audience. Well, good job, Vince, because now there's video of people leaving the damn arena during the fucking match. So your experiment that you're going to keep on going until it, I don't know, just drives my happiness out of your company, I just don't get this whole entire thing. It screws Roman. It made Joe look bad. I mean, he kicked the crap out of him. and still losing? And how Roman was done. Like, he lifted his arm and went down length. That should have been it. I've watched matches stop from a hold like that. Now, granted, it was in the 80s and 90s where that was much more normal where you'd, like, do the whole, oh, his hand comes up, and then he starts powering up, and that's his comeback, like Hulk Hogan and shit. But that was the same scenario. His eyes looked like they were rolling in the back of his head. He was completely done. ripped, lifted his arm, went back down, and then you keep on going for some reason, and then he gets back up eventually. Like, it was so sloppy and stupid and, and this is your main event? Why? Because Roman's in it? Are you fucking stupid? Like, my, what is going on? All you're, you're just hurting this guy's stock. That's all you're doing. You're not getting him that so we're on his side. Like now, I think even kids are starting to dislike him. I don't even know that for 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 truth, but I would not like him in that type of scenario. I don't know, man. Chris, try to make me feel better about this. Uh, I don't
1: have anything to make you feel better about. Like, I don't have a way to turn this in a positive light. When fans are literally walking out of your match, I think they're trying to get a point across. When you literally see people leaving your main event, they're trying to get the point across. They knew Roman was going to win this match, and that's why they were leaving. Um, so that that is what it is. If you don't want that to happen, then maybe you don't book Roman to win in the main event for a while. I'm not saying there's not a way to get Roman back over, but at this point it's going to be a damn hard venture. Like people are just against him in a way that I've never seen. <laughs> it's not even heel heat; it's, they just don't fucking like the guy. It, it's, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that people have just not liked this much. Maybe David Otunga, people fucking hated that guy because he was, but he was way worse than Roman. Um, It's weird because of this, like, ongoing Roman's got to be in the main event, Roman's got to be in the main event, Roman's got to be in the main event, and you're looking at a lot of other stars that have been being passed over, and the fans are taking notice of that. And I don't know if this is a weird way to give them a Daniel Bryan of some sort with whoever they do finally push next or whatever, but it is fucking god-awful. And it didn't help that the match started out with, like, you know, your basic chin lock, neck lock, and then the crowd booing it, saying it was terrible, and then people just leaving. I mean, there was like CM Punk chants, obviously. Um, the match itself got better like midway through. I thought the ma- they, you know, that part of the match got pretty good, but then it just turned into your basic, it's a Roman Reigns match. This is the finish. And at the end, no one... Like, no one gave a shit. People just didn't care. And that's kind of how I feel about the last five or six Roman Reign matches I've seen on a a pay-per-view. People honestly just don't care. I don't know what you do to fix it. Like, I don't have any... I don't have any magical advice that can help Roman. My advice would be to fix your main event. Do not put him in it, like, right now. Like... After he does his match with Brock, like dial it back and figure something else out. Um, I don't think the answer is to put the title on him. That's definitely not going to fucking help at all. Unless he's just going to drop it to Strowman like on Monday Night Raw. Like it's not putting the title on Roman is well, not going to do anything. for know that what's belt. worse? Apparently, there's rumors
0: that Chris, Brock's uh, appearance you know, one of his last appearances will be at SummerSlam for this match.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, from what I've been hearing, Money in the Bank, the main event is supposed to be Brock versus Roman. I don't know if they're going to go that route, but, you know, with Roman not being in Money in the Bank, that seems to be the obvious thing that they would do unless the title's just not going to be there at all. But that's been rumored out there on a, a few cards as a prediction, is that's going to be the match. And I'm like, man, they're really going to go back to that again. And woof, woof.
0: I just don't get it. You have, you have Braun Strowman and you have Seth Rollins. Both of them are so freaking hot, like right now, on Raw. And you still... Are doing this, and like I keep on saying, the worst part of it is I like Roman Reigns, but all you're doing is hurting him. You're making people hate him like that, and like, like I hate the term Xbox Heat because I never really witnessed it that bad. But if whatever the hell that meaning or that concept is amplify to 10 million with this guy, like this is worse than Lex Express and Lex Luger jamming them down the throats and shit like that. At least they fucking said screw it, we'll go with someone else. At least Roman's a good worker. I. I don't even know, man.
1: Uh, I mean, backlash, I I I, le- I I legitimately feel bad for Roman. Like, this isn't even me shing on Roman. It's just the fans aren't into it. They haven't been into it for, like, two fucking years. Just, the only time there was a little glimmer of hope that this was going to work is when the Shield got back together. And even then, when we talked about it, I said, as soon as that shit's over, no one's going to care about Roman again. And that's exactly what happened. Because the, well, the, the other two superstars in, in, in the shield are bigger than Roman, and people care about them more.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, what pisses me off is that they don't learn from their mistakes, like I was just talking about. Lex Luger is going to be the next Hulk Hogan. Lex Luger is going to be the next Hulk Hogan. Quit trying to make the next Hulk Hogan. Just let the next guy take it to the next level then yes, granted, Brett and Sean might have not been the biggest money maker, but they were great entertainers. They're still two of the best of their time. Blah, blah, blah. Take steps from trying to replicate something else. Bray Wyatt's the next Undertaker. No, he's not. Just let him be fucking Bray Wyatt. We need a new John Cena. We'll have Roman be the next John Cena. Don't try to have the next John Cena. John Cena was a phenomenon for his time. I just... That type of... Like... You have original stars. You have original concepts. It's not like Roman and John Cena really share that much in common. So as fact that you're trying to make him the next John Cena, try to make the, the next Roman Reigns, basically. I, it the strategy. But we'll, we'll get to that. We have a segment to talk about stuff that we're, uh, we're not scouting. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, yeah, let's go to New Japan. Hope you guys enjoyed. They were at Don't. Taku, don't taku. Um, but we're going to go, all right, I love New Japan, I watch almost all of this, there's just a lot of tag matches, you know, it's like having a Survivor Series every fucking time, but if you watch a a two-nighter like this, you'll see a lot of the same type of thing, plus a guy, minus a guy, sort of situation. So, for this, we're just going to go over the main matches, um... For, for night one, I think the last three are, are the main ones I'd like to go over, if that's okay with you, Chris. If you have anything from the ones previous to that, uh, we, we can mention them. But uh, we had Wall and and uh, Kazushika Okada defeating um, Tanahashi and Kushida. It was a pretty long match. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match to, like, you know, lead up to the two matches that were probably the two biggest matches of the whole entire paper and uh, a lot of fun to see Kashida and Tanahashi. There's similarities of those two guys. They're so over as baby faces. They're like, they you know, I, I think it was Stone Cold that was talking about there's like just not enough pure baby faces out there anymore. You know, you've got your Johnny Gargano, you've got your Daniel Bryan, you've got these two guys. Um, there's not a lot of other ones. Uh, either you're a badass, you're a little bit of an anti-hero, if you will, but, uh, you know, it's just, and Will is also great. Okada's Okada. But you have, four of the best wrestlers in the tag team match, and it was pretty entertaining, and Japan lets them have time. I think it was like 15 minutes at least, maybe 16. How, how did you like this script?
1: I thought it was good, and I mean, uh, obviously, it was setting up for, If you're, we're talking about the Okada-Osprey the match, obviously, uh, it was setting up for the title match that, that Okada was going to have with Lil' Osprey on night two, um, which is why... They had Kushida working over Osprey's neck. Like, they do such good – they're so good at that, um, of telling that story. Because now, in theory, Osprey should be coming into this next match with a hurt neck against Okada. It doesn't make him look weak if he gets beat. Um, the match itself I thought was pretty good overall. Um, the guys all have great chemistry with each other. Uh, I think it made sense to – could Kushida. To for Kushida to take the pin, um, obviously they want to protect Tanahashi. Um, so yeah, overall I enjoyed the match, and I think some of the you know the in-ring chemistry, a lot of it made sense. Um, and I think that you know the next the, you know the what they did with Kushida working over Osprey plays into you know into their into their title match, which is which is great as well. Into um, and, and, and into night two, I should say.
0: Absolutely. That's what I do like about these two nighters. You get a lot of storytelling with these tag matches. Uh, bring a lot of um, layers uh, to the matches the next night. Here's another one with the whole entire rivalry between Cody and Kenny Omega. Uh, Cody defeated Kota Ibushi in a singles match. Uh, this had been a, a long match. Um, back and forth, really good. There was a part, if I'm remembering correctly, which I think I am, I think it was this match. Where where Cody kissed him, uh, Cody Bucci, and Don Callis was saying how that was so disrespectful. That's like if um, Kenny tried to kiss Brandy. I I don't care either way if if they're doing this as storyline. Like as long as they're not making fun of it, like uh, Billy and Chuck, or if this is actually real in real life. I don't know what's going on with me. It's like kayfabe's messing with me, Chris. But are they implying that Cody and Ibushi, I know they're the golden lovers, I guess I just took it as a metaphor, but are they implying that Kenny and Coda are together? Oh, and what did you think about the match, too?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean that that has been the implication with Cody and, and, and uh, Kenny and Coda for a while, even going back to DDT, uh, I believe is where they started originally with that tag team. Um, always been kind of jokingly there in a way that is taken more seriously, because they're obviously more badass than you know Billy and Chuck Um, and they don't really they don't really play into it as much it's just always been kind of it's not really it's like they like love each other but do they really love each other so it's kind of a a weird a weird thing Um, and obviously it makes sense in the storyline we're not you know they're playing off of all of the Golden Lovers history together so it's it's kind of a weird scenario. But as far as how I like the match, I thought it was fun. Um, I thought the, the, you know, the end finish was really good with uh, Obushi hitting the last drive power bomb and then trying to go first finish and, and Cody uh, avoiding it. And uh, finally, Cody hitting the crossroads after doing some heel uh, powders going in and out of the ring. Um, but yeah, it was... And also, I like the... Uh, I like Cody's... I guess it's his new... Finisher, is that burger breaker. He's hitting. I can't. I can't remember exactly what it's called.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Um, I know it's like a reference to Legend of Zelda, but I can't remember what it was called at that time. But uh, that that's actually I like that move better than just the, the crossroads for the win. Um, so I'm I'm into that new finisher he's got going. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that was
0: that was really cool. I was like, what's a burger breaker? Alright, Kenny Omega defeated Hangman Page in a singles match, another long match. Ugh, one thing, I mean New Japan, we that that's one of their their things that they definitely have is that they let the matches flush out. Um I'm not trying to like, you know, say D C fucks up, Marvel's great, that's not what I'm trying to go for. It's like both, I'm just saying. That's like one thing, it's like their stories. They're they're awesome, you know. Anyway, uh Kenny Omega defeated Hangman Page. Uh, good match, hard-hitting match. Hey, man, hey, he's a really stiff worker. Let me just say that. Uh, he looks just like Stephen Amell. Like, if they were in a match together, I know they pulled from the Bullet Club, coincidentally. They look like brothers. It's uh, kind of weird. But I um, thought it was a good match. I thought it was awesome. I was very happy that Kenny won. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Chris, how did you
1: feel? I, I thought I had a, I had some really great spots and, and some good action in throughout the entire match. Um, it's weird that to me that it was like the main event. Um, even though it was Omega, it, w- it just didn't really feel like a main event New Japan match, I guess. But outside of that, uh, I liked the match. I thought all the spots were fun. I thought it had you know good action back and forth. Uh, my only thing was I never, like, and I don't really say this about many New Japan matches, I just never bought Hangman Page getting a win on Kenny here. So that kind of, Diminished it a little bit for me, but it you know, overall it was a fun match.
0: All right, let's go to the next night. Um, We're going to go over the last four matches. The main reason, we're not going to actually go over, there's a certain thing involved with both of these, basically. Um, A story, if you will, a news item. All right, for the uh, Los Cinco de Nables de Capone going against a Zuki Gun match, uh, LIS, um, or LIJ, I mean, uh, won the match. Um, that was great. You know, it was cool. You had everyone leaving. Uh, Suzuki was pissed. Was spot. That was, like, his last time to be able to get at NATO, and he didn't. And um, they all left, you know, in a fury, him and Baby Boy Smith Jr., who should not, you know, pour hot coffee. Um, Lance Archer was probably spitting on someone, all of them. They get out of there. And then... Of course, all of, of L.I.J. is believing, and you have NATO in the back. And someone who had, like, an old-school Bushi mask, like the, like the kind of like designed like the old Luchador mask, you know, is trying to, like, get a his hand smacked by NATO, like everyone else is. So everyone's trying to get a touch of NATO. Well, this person grabs him and punches him in the face. he got a jacket on. You're like, what the hell? And everyone reacts to it greatly, especially Don Callis and um, – and Kevin Kelly, uh, and then the guy proceeds to start beating the crap out of him. You know, noted all the other members of Lij already exited. You know, Nato was kind of taking his time, and so he gets back in the ring. At one point, finally the mask comes off. It's Chris Jericho. He then busts open Nato, bloods everywhere. He just beats the crap out of him. And we're gonna have, along with Okada versus Omega, which we'll get to, Nato versus Chris Jericho. Like, are you kidding me, Mister? Oh, yeah, me and New Japan, we ended on bad terms. I'm never going back there again. Two weeks ago, I heard him say that. You got us again, Y2J. I want to see him go against Nakata now, too. God. Anyways, Chris, how did you like this quality? Are you excited to see Katsuya Nato versus Y2J, the GOAT?
1: I am very excited for it. And I actually called it. I, I knew that they were going to do- end up doing something together um, a while yep. back. So, I'm Stoked on that, and uh, yeah, and, and and the match itself I thought was really good, especially for a match that it wasn't super long or anything. It was a good match. The crowd seemed like they were super into it. Um, I liked, I, I, I you know, I liked the overall, you know, the exit at the end and kind of really selling, um, Nato just getting the absolute shit kicked out of them. Uh, so. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to Chris Jericho and NATO and uh, kind of looking forward to see some of NATO's responses and what he does uh, before, you know, that match happens. So hopefully we'll get some video packages or something. Uh, maybe some of those promotional meetings that they do, uh, the, like the board interviews that they do, press conference. There's, that's what I was looking for. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in those because I'm sure Kenny, you know, not, not Kenny, I'm sure Chris Jericho will give one of those. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Because that was a lot of fun with him and, uh, him and Omega when they were building that match. So I look forward to seeing some of that stuff, too.
0: Do you think that there's any chance, and I, I don't remember if it's beneficial if it's for the IC Championship, do you think they could put the IWGP Intercontinental Championship on Chris Jericho?
1: I think they could if he was planning on staying around for a longer period of time. Sticking around, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's going to stick around, so I don't see that happening. Um, but then again, I don't know what kind of deal they have worked out with Jericho. I just know that it seems like he's just wanting to wrestle some of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And. So long. It, it's more like he just wants to go have a good match, and if that's the case, then that's cool. I mean, if he wanted to stick around in Japan and do that whole thing, um, I don't see any reason why they couldn't put the title on him. I don't know that. Oh my God, that helps Nato that much, but it would be fun yeah. to see. Uh, you, I mean, you could that could get you to you know one more Nato rematch, and then you could go to a Tanahashi match if you wanted to go that route, or there's some other cool stuff that you could do coming out of that. But like I said. With the way New Japan books and, and how long they like to draw out a lot of their storylines, <clears throat> it would be a big commitment for Chris Jericho to want to run with the title. or make Absolutely. Title
0: Still would be really cool. And I love Nato, but maybe that's a good way to get the strap off so he can go back to the main belt. I don't know. But, either way, looking forward to that match. Looking forward to... Uh, well, well, actually, we'll get to that. I'm kind of about the start talking about it before it actually happens but uh next match yeah so it's bullet club uh team kenny with Fale, vale Tonga tongalo and then kenny omega and kota bushi the golden lovers against team cody with cody hangman page marty Skrull, matt jackson and nick jackson and the main thing that happened is at the end of it kenny or cody took off to the back kenny went running after him and the rest of the Bull Club members, you know, started by the Jacksons and uh, uh, Tonga Lo and um is, hey, are we cool? Like, is this all over with? And all of them proceeded to basically say "Bull Club's fine, at least with them, the core members. And then, um, then Tokyo Pimp and the other guy, uh, the other white dude that's in the group that's always in Japan that I always forget his name. Um, Chase Owens? Yeah, that's it. Uh, came out, they all showed love towards each other. Bullet Club is fine, except for the leader, Chris. What do you think about that whole entire concept? Uh, Do you think that at the end of this, Kenny's going to be the leader, or is Cody going to be the leader?
1: I still think Cody's going to end up being the leader just because I think they're going to turn Kenny Omega face to fight this group. I think this eventually is just the falling out of Kenny Omega and probably Kota Ibushi with Kenny. Um, unless Coda just joins Bullet Club and they all attack Kenny. Oh, that would um, be so awesome. But I just, I don't, you know, I don't see them moving Cody because he's having such a, a good heel run right now, and it would make sense to have, you know, him be the guy for Bullet Club for a while. I, I think they, they want to see what Kenny can do on his own before they put the title on him. I could be wrong, but that's just my general thought on it, but you know, right now they're playing the storyline up really, really well. It's been going on for a while. (laughs) Um, I think my favorite thing in the entire match was earlier. Marty had said that he was going to body slam bad luck. (laughs) Falle. And then he tried it at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the match. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out so well, but, um, you know, it was weird. It, you know, like the Bucks weren't trying to tag into the match. So there was, like when Ibushi or Mega were in the match, the Young Bucks didn't want to tag in. So there were some weird spots there. Um, the match I thought was really good. It was one that was kind of short for the people I, that were in it. I thought it would be a little longer than it was. But um, overall, I liked it for the most part. And I like, I like the story coming out of it still. I, I I still think it's interesting to figure out what is going to happen to both the Golden Lovers and, I guess, the Bullet Club. Um, so, yeah.
0: All right. So, uh, we had a match with Will Ospreay and Kushida. And um, it was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Wool Osprey ended up beating Kushida, even though he had really tremendous work done on his neck throughout the whole entire match. Um, these guys... My God, it's like you can't blink with either Kushida or Will Osprey. That's how fast and quick they move and fly through the air like it's nothing. And just the interaction of like, I know that it probably takes a lot of prep, but like you know how one will like run at each other and the other one will do a kick and, and run and jump and catch him. It's like the Matrix. It's so crazy. I probably sound like uh, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld describing professional wrestling to am Like it's like the Matrix. Anyways, um, so, yeah, so, great match. Will Ospreay ends up winning. He's now beaten pretty much everyone in his division, if you will. Um, we have the junior uh, heavyweight tournament coming up soon that he's going to be a part of, and if he wins, he gets to choose his own challenger. If anyone else wins, they get to go against him at this next, you know, the next big pay-per-view uh, go. It's called Dominion, I believe, uh, where Okada's going to be taking over Mega and NATO and against uh, Chris Jericho. I, I'm i guessing, and I don't know this for 100%, but I think Will Osprey's going to win the tournament and actually Theriot to be his opponent at this, because we know Ray's going to be there and advertise. So, really looking forward to whatever the hell they come up with, but I did like, at the end of it, we have the reveal of Bone Soldier, who was, you know, normally I would not know who the hell the person is. I'd be like, I don't, I don't know that guy. Like, But no, it was uh, Tashi Ishimori, who is Impact, he came from uh, Pro Wrestling NOAA, uh, which was Misawa 's uh, wrestling organization, one of the smaller organizations. I think it's second, because I don't know if, what the hell all, all Japan's doing, really. Uh, it's New Japan over in Japan, but they do a lot of interaction with Impact, um, and so Ichimori's been the, um, the X-Division champion twice since he's been there. He was one of the wrestlers I really liked watching, and he's, he's short, but he's stocky as hell, and he, has, he moves. He reminds me a little bit of Rob Van Damme, um, it's just a bunch of different wrestlers. I'll throw them to one. But uh, really like the match. Really like this reveal from Tama Tonga. And apparently we're going to be getting the two of them, I'm assuming, soon. Um, so maybe he'll actually win the whole tournament and then go against uh, Shida or go against Will Osprey for the title. And then we'll have Ray against Jushin Liger like it was originally supposed to happen. I don't really know. I was just spitballing here. But, Chris, how did you like this whole entire thing?
1: I thought this was the best match of the night. There was a lot of really fun spots. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite Fajita uh, Osprey match, but it was still a really really good match. The crowd seemed really into it, and um, obviously, I'm not going to go into the full rundown of all the spots. But let's just say it was very very entertaining. Both guys are incredible to watch in the ring, and like and like, and like you said, if you blink, you will miss something in those matches. Like every one of their matches, it takes me one or two. Times uh, just to see everything that they they do. I thought they did a good job working the neck angle in from the previous match that they had the night before. Um, as I said earlier, uh, just good storytelling overall and in a really fun match. Uh, there was just so much different than the rest rest of everything on the card. In all honesty, um, which they fill that spot well. I mean, they've made that IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title flourish in a way that. It, I mean, it kind of has always flourished, but uh, re- more recently with uh, with it being around Osprey, I think that thing has been skyrocketing, at least in stock, stock-wise. So that tournament's going to be very interesting, and I look forward to seeing what comes out of that. I don't have any bold predictions. Um, I don't think Will Osprey is going to win, obviously. I think that, you know, it, it will set up some challenger, but it could be anyone. It could just be Kushida. Again, it just depends on <laughs> what route they want to go, so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that tournament plays out.
0: And I, I don't know if you really were that familiar with him, but how did you like, for uh, addition to Bullet Club, Ishimori, as the new Bone Soldier?
1: I, yeah, I think that was. I thought it was awesome. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. I know, obviously, he'll have a showing in the tournament. Um, I guess he didn't realize. I guess he. I guess this is further proof the Bullet Club's doing fine.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Okay, okay, okay they're doing fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I like Ishimori. Um, I I saw more of his work in Japan than his Impact stuff, so I I don't have a lot to go off of as far as what you were talking about with the Impact stuff. But yeah, he's a he's a pretty damn good wrestler. So it's gonna be interesting to see who he gets mixed up with in that tournament. Um, that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be really fun to watch all those guys.
0: Yeah, and, and he had a great match that I saw. I've seen a couple good matches with him. Some of them are multi-man matches, but one in particular with Matt Seidel uh, for the exhibition championship. I think Matt won it. That might have been when he started his – he's had a title since then, but I don't remember. But uh, he's he's a good in-ring hand, man. Young kid, really great body. You know, He's going to be a lot of potential, good addition to Bullet Club. All right, last match of the night we had – because you could – Kazushika man, Okada defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. I can't get his name right. I'm going to have to, like, study, like, a YouTube video or something like that. Chris, I always screwed up. Anyways, singles (laughs) match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I'll be honest with you, okay? Maybe it's – and they had – it had to have been at least 30 minutes. They had a good match. It was very steady, very well-paced. Maybe I'm just getting used to both of them so much, or I've seen them, you know, against each other, that I've seen better matches with them. This match didn't resonate as well as I thought it would have. Let's just put it that way. I think it was still a great match, and I love how it was kind of getting sad. Like, this actually might be the last time Tanahashi could be going for the World Championship title. Kind of in a similar way. You know, I'll, I'll say it. I'll compare it. But, like, when John Cena won against uh, Roman Reigns, and you kind of could tell, like, wow, this is – it's kind of like the start of the end. You can just tell it's not the same. I kind of got that same type of feeling with this. And the ending uh, with, you know, Okada's like, hey, I've beaten everyone. There's someone I still have, you know, a pass with, basically. Uh, There's someone that, you know, I've won one. They've won one. We've gone. You know, and you know what he's, he's setting up, basically. And he's like, Omega! So Kenny Omega comes out, challenges him. Omega says the only way I'll do it is a two out of three match. Cause it's fine. And we have Kenny Omega versus Okada, the last I mean, I don't think it's necessarily gonna be their last match, but this one, this is this is for all the marbles, you know? So really excited. I r re- I can't even win so bad. That's all I have to say. But I think last week we were just talking about like, yeah, this is gonna be a transitional guy and it'll probably be NATO or maybe it will be a Bush or Bushy that will win it from Okada, and eventually Omega will get it back. And then they'll, they'll, you know, no, it's coming up soon. We were wrong a little bit. We're going to be getting Okada versus Omega, and I hope Omega gets the championship. I love Okada. He can have it again. But I would like to see Omega with a damn belt around his waist for a little while. I would love for him to win this whole entire thing. Um, I know that you're more of an Okada fan, and I understand if if you want him to overall beat Kenny, but how did you feel about that match against Tanahashi? Did you feel like it might have been a little bit of Tanahashi kind of showing that, like, it's progression out, if you will, in the same vein as John Cena with Roman Reigns even? And what did you think about this whole Kenny Omega versus Okada for the title, the last match? Would it be called the rubber match still? I don't even know.
1: What did you think? I thought
0: this was the second best match of the night,
1: uh, first and foremost. It wasn't as good as other... Okada Tanahashi matches that I've seen similar to you, but overall I thought the pacing was really well. It was an, you know, it was an Okada Tanahashi match. It was was still a lot of fun to watch. Um, Obviously, we kind of, I kind of knew going in that I I just didn't see them putting the belt on Tanahashi. Uh, I was very surprised by the promo at the end. Um, Obviously, I thought that promo was really well done. Um, Basically, talking about how many title defenses that he had had. Uh, the thing that's weird about this is it does fall on number 13 number 13 is considered an unlucky number so maybe you have Omega pick up the title I still in my heart of hearts feel like they're going to leave the thing on Okada until Wrestle Kingdom but maybe I'm completely wrong Um, the thing is is like if Omega wins it do you give Okada a rematch and then you set up another match right after this or does Okada have to go win G1 it's more it, – I mean, it's going to be good for Omega if he gets the title here because he can go against Cody. Like, he's immediately going to get challenged by Cody Rhodes. Um, so that gives him something to do. But like we were saying, uh, I mean, that would – it's it's interesting, but it's, it's – I don't know. It still doesn't stand out. This doesn't seem like the right time, but they could really pull the trigger on it. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to see – and you get a two-out-of-three falls match between Okada and Omega either way, so that should be one hell of a banger. Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, this show, I thought the first night was actually better, but I thought the second night kind of was like a two-match show, and those two matches were better than everything on both shows. So that's my overall review of it.
0: Well, I liked it. I, I enjoyed watching it. And uh, the matches were lovely. forward to seeing the future of New Japan. All right. Uh, Let's go over some news items, Chris. All right. Um, There was rumors, and I I don't know if if we're uh, counting it out. It just seems, all right, this is what I'm going to say. It seems really weird with Ron SmackDown that they seem to be having these uh, promos from people talking about money in the bank, like Mike Kanellis, like Epico. that you know we're not going to get in that. So either there's two things that I could think of. Either they could be having, you know, maybe a battle royal uh, at the end of it with a lot of leftover guys. And you could tell, you know, Baron Corbin's in there or something like that. Someone to that level within these battle royals, one on Raw, one on SmackDown, to determine the last contestant in the whole entire thing. So that might be why they're doing it. It could be also they're just doing it for the fucking reason at all. I have no idea. It's kind of like, why would you waste time, though? They're not going to. Or a lot of them are tag teams. Like I've seen the revival, I've seen Fandango, I've seen a lot of different choices. There was already rumors going into this that there might be a third Money in the Bank, and it would be for the tag team titles. Do you think that that is a possibility, Chris? Or do you think that that would have been announced
1: probably on Raw or SmackDown? Well, what they have—they have two. They have what? Three weeks to build this thing oh. out. Two weeks. I mean, it's a possibility because I think the the you know the NXT version did so well when they did the tag title that weird giant crazy tag title match that they did recently. So I think it's I think it's possible. I, I, is Kofi in this battle royal? Because it could just be a way to get Kofi into the Money in the Bank match. It seems so weird heck, having I, a Money in the Bank match without Kofi. <laughs> well, <laughs> like that actually, was my original thought.
0: <laughs> well and I don't know how much of the detail we'll be able to too, for going to Ron Smackdown. Uh, but for that in particular, they announced that the bar will be going against two members of the new day and the winner of those match, they'll be able to pick someone to go into money at in the bank, basically. So if the bar wins, it's probably going to cause tension. I'm assuming within the storyline, because it's either going to be Sheamus or Cesaro new day wins. One of them will be going in and everyone like there's been two other people that have said probably going be Kofi. So, I think that, that that would make the most
1: sense. I would like to see Xavier though get it. Yeah, it would be fun to see Xavier I mean, it would be fun to see Kofi win one of these damn things. Like, honestly, or win win a Royal Rumble. Just like as a guy who's watched Kofi do all of these crazy spots in both of those matches for so long. It would be nice to see him. Like it's money in the bank. Like he can win it, cash in and lose. It doesn't Or win it and cash in and win. Like that would be that would be awesome. Like it'd be a good send off to a guy that's a damn good wrestler and has been there, like, com- been a company guy for a long time, like, I would have no problem with Co- just Copy straight winning money in the bank. I think that would be fucking fun. Um, but, yeah, I-, I must have missed the stipulation. Um, I had to watch back some of this stuff on Hulu just because I was out of pocket uh, most of the weekend and then Monday and Tuesday. So, um, today I-, I watched a ton of this, both Raw and SmackDown, so I may have missed that tidbit, but that that makes more sense. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I would assume that that <laughs> New Day is going to win that match and you're going to get Kofi in it.
0: Well, that will be fun. That will definitely be fun for sure. But uh, as far as the tag, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I I feel like he would have learned about it if that rumor is true. But I definitely want to talk about it. And I think that if it does happen, or if they decide to do this maybe in the future, that would be a, that would be a lot of fun because you have this concept. It would be a lot of people though. Oh wow! So there's eight people total. It's four from Raw, four from SmackDown, um, and it's Raw SmackDown. Whoever wins it gets a bank, obviously on their represented thing. So the way they're doing it's cool, but then to have eight tag teams, I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to. I guess it would be two tags. I don't know. I think you would just do
1: two. I think you would just do two from each brand, one from Raw, and one from SmackDown, or two two from Raw, two from SmackDown, and then you would just have some kind of like, you know, mini tournament or whatever. They'll set up a mat like, you know, the matches. They don't even. I mean, to me, they don't have enough tag teams to do eight realistically, and it'd be be a good match. So I would assume it'd just be two and two. So it'd be, yeah, it would yeah, be, it would almost be more like so. last year's last year's mania, um, when they did the ladder match for the tag titles. Like that's how I would see that, but it would just be for Money in the Bank, like where it's you know four four teams in total.
0: Well, we'll have to wait to see if like something happens, whether where Kurt Angle goes. You know what? We're gonna have a tag match maybe next week or something, but probably just a rumor. All right, next one. Here's another thing that's probably just a rumor. Uh, Hulk Hogan's return to WWE. wanted to address this. I heard that from some outlets said he's going to be making his way back. And then WWE made another statement saying, uh, we are happy with Terry O'Leo's, Bo- Bo- uh, you know, attempts at correcting blah, 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 you know, whatever he's doing, basically. But we still have no plans of doing business with Hulk Hogan, basically. Uh, I know this is kind of a repetitive question, so you don't have to take too long explaining it, but... Do you think that we'll see Hulk Uh anytime soon, WWE?
1: I mean, I, I think in some capacity down the road, it's still plausible. But I, if they're saying they're not talking to him, then probably not. This this keep this, this has been getting reported since like what before Mania?
0: I, I monthly, I swear to God.
1: So, so I, I at some point, I think some of this is just getting clickbait, and it's just the same original rumor just getting reposted or something because wwe definitely did come out and squash that and said hey we're we we're going to have a working relationship in some capacity but like he's not going to be on our televised product that's basically what i read from it so i was assuming that maybe he would maybe it would be something with him making amends in like be a star or something in that kind of capacity like we've talked about this previously on the show so i don't want to spend too much time on it but i don't I don't put much stock on TV, and especially not anytime soon because there's not really any big pay-per-views coming up until SummerSlam. So if he was going to do anything at all, it would be more around, I would think, like SummerSlam or Rumble, like one of your big pay-per-views. So it would be a ways off anyways.
0: Real, Real quick, all right, say Coolerhead Surveil, you know, we know that he's doing work, whatever. Do you think that Hulk Hogan could do something like commentating? Like what the fuck would they do with him anyway? You don't want to see him as a commissioner. They don't do managers. Like, I don't really could he be a commentator.
1: No, I don't see him doing I mean it would be very much if he if he was doing commentary, the the closest thing I could think of is uh you know, Jesse Ventura and WCW when he did commentary. That would be kind of the closest comparison I could think of, but I wouldn't really want to see Hogan on commentary. I, I think more of what you would see is he comes in and does a pre-show or guest referee, probably more than likely just something on a pre-show. But that's the thing is, like, what what do you even do? Like, it's not even worth WWE bringing him back. That's why originally I dismissed the rumor kind of altogether when we were talking about it is because I just, like, he doesn't move the needle at all. Well, if you, you know, it's, the thing is, I, I love... Capacity.
0: I love Hulk Hogan. Always have a place in my heart. I'd rather WWE grab Bruce Prichard and us than have fucking Hulk Hogan a part of the show. It's really important. I don't see any place for him. Um, but
1: I just—I mean, maybe you have Matt know. Hardy delete. I don't know. <laughs> like, oh <laughs> I mean, my god,
0: that would be great. What if he turned? What if he turned someone into Hulk Hogan, and we had to pretend that <laughs> that person? You know, like I'm trying to think of like who the hell they could do. Like, um, oh my god. Uh, Chad Gable, no, 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 no. no. He turns Kurt uh, Hawkins into Hulk Hogan, like Kurt Hawkins begging him to turn him into like a better wrestler, and it's like old man Hulk Hogan, and they like even call him <laughs> old man Hogan, and uh, like
1: something right, like that didn't. would be amusing. But I, just, I just what do you, what do you even do with Hogan? Like he's he's not going to be the commissioner. I just don't see him being like a Raw commissioner, and. That's the only way you're going to get him weekly on a show, unless you're going to bring him in one for a one-off pay-per-view or a one-off Raw. I just don't think it does anything for your company, especially with the amount of money that Hulk Hogan is probably going to want to make for an appearance. So, yeah.
0: Yep. All right, um, let's go to the next one. This is actually pretty cool. Ronda Rousey and uh, Shauna Baszler's um, four, fellow Four Horsewomen uh, Jasmine Duke, and Marina Schaefer. I believe Schaefer is uh, married to, uh, uh, what's his name? Roderick Strong. I think that's his wife. Four fiance. one of the other. Uh, have reported to Orlando Performance Center to start training. Now They're already training for professional wrestling, but now WWE's actually picked them up and wants to get them in the process, too. Um, so it looks like, you know, she has been pretty good in NXT. Ron has had a strong showing, and, I, and they've now been... I I don't even know. I guess it's kind of sitting on it right now, but whatever. Um, I think this just could mainly be – part of me thinks it's mainly to be for a future 4-on-4 that we heard in the background that, you know, that's the reason why. But maybe they really see something with the two of them too and they want to really work on them um, in the future as, like, a unit. Um, Maybe – eventually if Ronda Rousey goes heel once Shayna Baszler is up there, maybe in like a year or something, which would be fun. Um, but either way, does this uh, intrigue you at all that the other two horsewomen are now in WWE, starting off at the Performance Center?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's always good to get more talent. I mean, it would be interesting to see a four horsemen versus four horsewomen of WWE thing at some point down the road, and I think... You know, eventually that's what they're probably going to go for. Or You could also see the matches between the four of them. But, I mean, the, the thing that this would help in the immediate future, if they can get them up to speed, is it helps flesh out the women's division on NXT in a way that they need um, a little bit right now because some of that talent got uh, pillaged with Asuka and Ember Moon leaving. Um, and then, obviously, the Riot Squad. So rebuilding that, I think, is the general purpose for it, but it also, you know, it's not shutting down any doors for, like, doing a Four Horsewomen type deal with the UFC Four Horsewomen, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem with it. I think it's cool. Um, more of my thing is, with WWE right now and the amount of talent they have is fleshing out the top of that main event, and especially with these combined pay-per-views now and how that's going to work out. So, I have no problem with them signing more female talent, especially at the NXT level. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with them. No. No. Yep.
0: Just thought it was interesting.
1: All right,
0: so we got one more piece of news. Uh, Chris Jericho almost replaced Shane McMahon to team up with Daniel Bryan against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. This was uh, pretty, like, he was talking to Daniel Bryan, this is the newest um, uh, Talk to Jericho, he was telling Daniel Bryan, he goes, I didn't know, if, or I don't know if you know this, but I almost was your partner. And Daniel Bryan was like, yep, someone told me about that. So probably a week before WrestleMania, Vince tried to convince Chris Jericho to do his concert with Fozzie and then take a direct flight and fly him in real quickly to New Orleans and just go and have the match with Daniel Bryan. Positioned his concert to be a couple hours earlier so that afterwards he could have an after-WrestleMania party, basically. Um... Uh, so Vince knew that and was trying to coordinate this, and like Chris Jericho explained to him, he goes, he goes, I I know Daniel Bryan won't have a problem with it, but I don't think that Sammy Zane and and uh, even Kevin are going to want to try to call everything in the ring on a WrestleMania match. Like that's this could be that could be a disaster. Basically, um, I guess Zane, they were talking about it. He's like he's much more detailed. He's much more like a, a Randy Savage, if you will. He likes to plan out a lot of stuff, detail, so it, it comes off correctly. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. The, the, the reason why, Chris Jericho talks to Shane McMahon. Shane's like, I'll be fine. I'm going to be okay. And, and Chris's like, I talked to your dad. Are you sure? And he goes, yeah, you know, I just I had a hernia, uh, you know, diverticulitis. And he's like, maybe all this stuff. And he goes, jeez, man. He goes, are you sure? Like, you know, this actually almost happened. And then last minute they were like, yeah, you're right. We're just going to go with everything that we have and just, you know, go towards it. But, like, five days, I think he said, right before WrestleMania, they tried to get Chris Jericho involved. That would have been awesome, and it would have actually made sense towards the storyline. And I think it would have made it a hell of a lot less stale, honestly. But especially if all of a sudden the music kicks in, like, that would have been awesome. Chris, uh, Kevin Owens would have fed off of it, but it didn't happen. Uh, how, how do you feel about that,
1: Chris? I think it would have made for a better match overall, even if they did have to call everything in the ring, um, just because a lot of that match was just Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Shane McMahon, because they just immediately took out <laughs> Daniel Bryan, so it would have been Daniel a Bryan. little more interesting. Yeah. Uh, a little more interesting, but, you know, they went the route they went, and, and you know, that was one of the – that match I didn't really have a problem with overall uh, at the by the end of it, you know, because it was a fun – just happy WrestleMania Daniel Bryan moment. The best way to put it, you know. So, uh, yeah, while that would have been really awesome, damn, I can't imagine having to do all the flying that Chris Jericho had to have done. But, you know, the guy's awesome. So you can't you can't slow him down, apparently. That DDP yoga is working way better for him than it does for me, that's for sure. He's got way more energy than I do. I need to start doing that. I'll start doing
0: this. He calls me every other day and yells at me with New Jersey. Um, anyways. All right. Well, do uh, you want to do this top five? And then we can kind of like uh, go over a couple of things that happened on SmackDown quickly. But um, I want to talk about this. I, I had a, a concept, Chris, for a segment in which I was just thinking in my head, and people are going to get turned off by this uh, by the title of it, but five things that say if Triple H was taken over, or if Gato, it's mainly for WWE and New Japan, the, the big platformers I, I call them. Um, I don't care about Ring of Honor and like a lot, they can do what they want, but maybe if they want to pick it up and go for it, that's great. But five things to legitimize special wrestling. I know that's just a crazy concept because we're basically saying screw sports entertainment. Let's get this a little bit more tweaked back. This is the main thing Triple H takes over. Five things I wish you would do. Um, I'll go over mine, or maybe you want to do this one for one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do my first two, then we'll do two, and then we'll do one. Yeah. Uh, but my first one was no more planning for an event a year in advance while applying short-term booking in between and not having an actual path to get to said destination. I'm sick of that shit. What the fuck did I know that was going to be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania two days after WrestleMania the year before that? And yet, from week to week, it's like they don't have a plan a lot of times to connect the things to get it from month to month. Fuck a year. Long-term booking. Figure out everything. Structure it. If certain things got to change on the way, Change it, but actually put care to your week to week. You got, I mean, with WWE, what what drives me crazy is that New Japan pays attention to detail, and they don't have as much of like an entertainment concept as far as like in between segments and always build up storylines. These recent, like the Kenny Omega Cody thing, is like the closest thing I could say towards any of that. Well, I mean, maybe with Suzuki and Naito too, but it's different. It's different how it's presented, and I, I just don't understand how. It's like some things just don't, like the next week's like, oh, okay, I guess we're not doing that anymore. Gotcha. Okay, and, and like I said, we still know the fucking WrestleMania event or something that's happening months from now or that Vince is still doing, like, another thing is like, loosen up. Ugh. Anyways, my, my number two would be no more scripted promos. You give them bullet points and you make them work at doing promos until they're good enough to do it because some of these people, I think, are good enough to do it, and you're screwing them up by making it too damn scripted. And that's a bigger problem than anything. If they're not good enough, they need to keep on going and work on it and shit. Maybe write it out and then memorize their own stuff, that's their own wording. You know, give them the bullet points and then let them do it. Um, those are my first two. Chris, I'm, I'm uh, curious on uh, what, what what you wrote down.
1: Uh, right off the bat, If we're, I, I originally thought we were just talking about WWE, but... Um... I'll go. So my five might be a little more pointed towards that, but I'll try to come up with one that's not directly WWE related. Well, uh, honestly, first,
0: honestly, um I'll admit there's only one that kind of applies to New Japan out of any of these that's part of my last one. So this is really more for everything. Yeah.
1: Okay. So. Right off hands, um, if you're going to have a brand split with general managers and it's supposed to be a competition between brands, make it a more realistic competition. Treat it more like two sports teams, two sport rivals. Uh, Have trades. uh, Instead of just doing a draft, have an actual draft pulling. Um, Make it more, not necessarily exactly like the NFL, where it's going to take eight years to do it, but do something – um, a little more realistic with that. Uh, if you want to switch people in the middle of the year, make it make it seem like it's a trade. Make your general managers play that out. Um, one thing that drives me crazy is just the superstar shakeup, where it just seems completely random um, of how people get signed. And in theory, I'm not saying expose these wrestlers' real contracts or anything, but definitely talk about you know contract negotiations. Even show like you know someone maybe who works for raw in a SmackDown locker room, having some conversations that he shouldn't have. And I think this is a good way that you could build up to my number two point, which is don't be afraid to have managers. I think managers help the people that can't talk. And in any other business, some people need managers, uh, you know, like in any other sports, like managers should be fine, but there's ways to play those managers. If you remember, with Macho Man Randy Savage, when he first came in, you had like six managers all bidding to get Macho Man Randy Savage until he just, you know, revealed that Elizabeth was going to be his manager. Um, I think there's cool things that you can do with managers in a sense that kind of brings a little bit of realism to it, um, and it while also helping some of the people that aren't as good on the microphones. I know that Vince isn't a huge ballet fan, uh, but it is it is – Better to see like Selena Vegas out there and then the Reese out there and some of these people that are more tied into the storyline. So some of the finishes actually make a bit more sense instead of the way they generally do EQ finishes. Um, that kind of stuff would be my first two, but there's I, I have more, so I'll go ahead and let you do two, and then we'll plot that. Oops. Yeah, I like I like both of yours. Just uh wish
0: people would listen anyways uh calling a majority of the match in the ring okay i understand like the whole i hate the term spot monkey and i don't think it, it there's anything wrong with dundell's page or randy savage or Sami Zayn or even Shawn michaels like to map out stuff a lot more detailed than others but a lot of that it's like the art of calling it the ring seems to be something that just kind of depleting a little bit and it when you, like, all right, WrestleMania 13 is a perfect example of this. Stone Cold and Bret Hart called everything. Bret led it the whole entire way, and it looked really legitimate. Like, it looked great, and that type of stuff. When you try to plan stuff out too much, it just kind of takes away from the, to me at least, the enjoyment of, of any type of exciting because it just kind of starts looking, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to sound like, like Jim Cornette, but over-choreographed. And I, I, I don't mean that. I love. There's a place for everything, and there's, there's certain matches, especially, like, I love Lucha Libre and that style and everything. But a lot of times it's like, that's fine if that happens, too, and if you want to do the dive. But can we get to the point where it's not the same type of things over and over again? Like, all right, there's a planned dive that's going to happen because it's Monday Night Raw and it's tough Rollins, so duh, that's going to happen. No. Fucking call it a little bit more. Try to get stuff that's a little more original and make it a little bit, I don't know. I know why they do it, obviously, because then they can control it more, but the unpredictability of calling it in the ring for a large portion of it, not all of it, but a large portion, you knowing where you need to go or if you have an energy story and everything, but trying to do it makes it look natural, and the unpredictability, I think, is possible. Um, okay, no more shit finishes, and we kind of talked about this earlier. I can't stand them anymore. The dusty finish that's getting counted out. I, I think that when it comes to someone getting counted out, it should be because you knock them unconscious and they cannot get in the ring. There's no crawling. There's not like someone who's like, you know, it's just, just, they're done. That's the only way it should happen. You should not do it. I guess if you get enraged, you're trying to beat the crap out of someone, but really, it's like all the time, there's some stupid finish, and they don't even do the cool ones. Like distracting the ref and bringing out brass snuffs, hitting a person in the face real quick. Legitimate things that would make it like, Stuff that would normally happen, taking a chair shot, something like that. You know, you don't have to have blood. You can hit him in the back. I mean, even though that probably wouldn't end the match a hell of a lot more. It's a better ending than a majority of the endings that WWE is doing in their fucking main events on pay-per-views. What the hell? Anyways, I digress. Chris?
1: Uh, That one was definitely one of mine as well. Is just uh, more of clarification- Well, some of it is shitty finish, but more of it's clarification of your rules for uh, those type of matches. Oh, yeah. Uh, Specifically, we had the one with the Hardys and Cesaro and Sheamus. It was like a clusterfuck. Uh, The cage match. What is the floor? If Kofi stands on pancakes that are on the floor, isn't he technically still standing on the floor? Uh, That kind of shit. I think you need to clarify the rules, especially in your big matches, especially if it's a big-time match, like, you know, a cage match for your heavyweight title or universal title. <sighs> so that was one. Uh, the other one, it was more of doing more press conference-type interviews in the vein of just having people come down to the ring at the very beginning of the night out Raw. So instead of handling it like, hey, look, we're going to have someone come down to the ring, like, do press conference interviews, put them out on Twitter, show them again on Raw, be more interactive with your fans in a way that makes sense, um, as opposed to just we're going to start Raw, and this is what's going to happen, and this is the setup for our next feud. Um, Don't be so formulaistic, basically, is what I'm getting at. And I think you said some of that with calling it into the, in the ring. One thing WWE is bad about with their television product on Monday Night raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown, you can pretty much call whenever there's going to be a commercial break because someone is going to hit a suicide dive. It's a suicide dive or someone gets tossed into a ring post. The guy taunts a little bit and then it goes commercial. Um, break out of the formula a little bit with with the shows in general like i think that takes a lot away from it especially if you watch week to week because you can pretty much pinpoint what's going to happen on a monday Night raw um like i could write out a tv formula next week read it off and it's going to be pretty close to what's going to happen it just depends on if they have someone it just, it just depends on how many segments they have how many talking segments they have but you can pretty much if you know what the card was ahead of time can't book the matches but i'm going to tell you the tv format where your commercials are going to go for the most part how many minutes each match is going to be based on who's in them Um, all of that stuff is very predictable and i think that you know that in turn hurts the product especially for people that watch a lot of it
0: yeah and dude even like what you're saying about the press conferences if they don't even they don't even have to go to the level that new japan does it where it looks that legitimate like NXT, I think, is a good, I mean, gives it a little more, I don't know, like, I understand I'm watching a product that's not real. I'm, you know, I'm not stupid or anything like that, but there's certain things that you can just kind of make me forget about that suspense of disbelief, and I, I completely agree with well that. Um, all right, my last one is, I know this is not going to be popular, um, no more silly moves that expose, like, you know, professional wrestling, I, 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 I've always, and I love The Rock, and it was a very unpopular concept. I fucking hate people's elbow. I always have. I think it's stupid. Uh, you know, I guess if you have them that much unconscious, it's fine, and someone's going to throw at me, well, what about the leg drop? The drop's dumb, too, but you've got to think about that. size of Hulk Hogan, if he comes back off the ropes and just slams his huge hamstring on your face, you're probably going to be pretty dazed It legitimately actually injured him due to time of his spine bouncing off. So there's that. With the rock rock bottom, or not the rock bottom, I love the rock bottom, the people's elbow, whenever I was a kid, that's what always bothered me. Like, you just tell. Like, there's no way that someone would be that, you know, five-knuckle shuffle. hate that move. Um, I hate the yes kicks. I'm sorry. I've seen Davy Richards. I've seen, and I've also seen Daniel Bryan do it a hell of a lot quicker and efficiently without the yes,
1: yes. Yes,
0: when him and the Miz do it, and you always know the Miz is going to not be able to get the last hit to the head. That's always the thing. It gives it wide away. I understand he's a heel. That they're just, they're dumb. They don't, it's just, it's just dumb. Like, all right, fine, Rock, you can do that. But like everyone else, be a little more creative. Let's, let's, let's not do stuff where there's that big of a pause. That type of stuff just drives me nuts. I know I'm not like, you know, I know the WWE, it just it just looks dumb. Every time that John Cena does a five-nop shuffle, I want to punch him. And I really like John Cena. But I'm just being honest with you. And the thing is, I'll go after New Japan. So everyone can call me a fucking piece of crap, blah, 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 blah. You hate WWE? No, I'll go out to New Japan and say that one thing that's always bothered me, and I I get it, I get the concept, I've seen it in old school wrestling, stuff like that, but I just think it's stupid because it would never happen in actual MMA fighting or boxing. Is hey, you hit me, now I hit you. You hit me, now I hit you. You hit me, then I hit you. It's just dumb. I can't stand it. WWE. A lot more, they'll they'll switch to doing the locker boxing, and I actually don't mind that, where one grabs, like, they start off going, you know, pushing each other, then one throws a punch, and then they grab each other, and they start just, like, you know, just stupid barrage of punching. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's a little more realistic to me. But, like I said, this doesn't have to be for everyone, but if I could, a lot of that stuff would be tightened up or thrown the fuck out. What's your fifth one,
1: Chris? Oh, man. Uh, I guess my fifth one is probably just... Better announcing overall, Ugh. selling the matches, not plugging so many promos, and making sure, doing oh, what Jim Ross was good at. No matter what shitty thing you're given, make sure you're doing your best to get it over.
0: Let, let me ask something. Don't you love it when they explain to you that this city is weird and that they might laugh at the villains and, and sure. cheer at the heroes, the heroes? Whatever the stupid... All that shit. Fucking done. No more pointing at WrestleMania. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm getting out of here.
1: Well, <laughs> if you don't
0: finish what you're saying.
1: Ugh. I mean, a good example would be when Titus O'Neil Everything. fell, and they just immediately sold it in laughter. <laughs> as of being like, maybe he injured himself. <laughs> pointing out the obvious and then replaying it. That kind of shit. Just as an announced team... And a product, I think you should always be trying to get your guys over, not bury them. And a lot of times it seems kind of like they they bury certain wrestlers. Um, Some of it's like, oh, I hate these guys, and they're trying to get across being the heel. But it's not, they never get across they hate them. It's literally, you know, Corey Graves making fun of the New Day. You know, in a, in a spiteful yeah. way. And yep. I don't. Uh, there's just certain aspects of that announced team. That, well, actually, both announced teams that just drive me crazy. I think it's a little better done on NXT. Um, but if you really think about. like, If you go back, there's a great one where JR is calling a match for a guy named the Arachnid, which was a purple and yellow Spider Man. And he's still trying to get the <laughs> motherfucker over. And that should be. <laughs> that should be what you're always trying to do as an announcer is get your talent over. Um, so yeah, that's just one of them. And that's a small one, you know, I, I don't have as much of a hate for a uh, rock bottom and stuff as you did. You went on that, but I, I feel you.
0: Hey, I feel people's you. elbow. I like the rock. Bottom. People's,
1: elbow. people's elbow. People's elbow. Sorry. But I feel you. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Anyways, like I said, you can send your hate mail to. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, Chris? Don't <laughs> send it to my Twitter handle. I didn't say that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let, let's let's breathe since we only have eleven minutes, anyways. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk out loud, and you tell me if you want me to stop. How about that? All
1: right. Um,
0: money in the Money in the Bank qualifying match. Braun Strowman uh, pinball Kevin Owens into submission. Braun Strowman's gonna be in the fucking match. Barry Corbin and Revival. I mean, it literally, it was bronze on the outside. He's going to shoulder check the shit out of Kevin Owens two more times. So he does it three times in a row. You know, it's like,
1: tell him the ref, do oh, it again.
0: God. Like, I don't know. I guess he really loves that concept. That's definitely a good thing. All right, Barry Corbin Revival. So, I mean, Revival it, defeated it, it, no way home. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: The, the fucking finish of this match was screwy to me. Like, was it a. So it was a count out? Or um, Kevin Owens wasn't allowed to go on because no, he, they didn't he, do a good job. He
0: he did he did, he did a running power slam uh, to win it. But, like, before that, he literally, like, he couldn't. Oh, okay. I don't, like, it was like the third shoulder check. He was done. He ran him inside, and then he power slammed him, and it was over. It was it was a squash match. All right. An extended okay. squash match. All
1: right. So I'm uh, not the miss all right, all right, part of that.
0: Um, That wasn't anything. Uh, our next qualifying match: Ember Moon defeated Sasha Banks
1: and Ruby Riot.
0: Thought all three ladies looked good. And was happy with uh, Ember winning. Sure, you got a, something from that? Oh my god, this next segment.
1: Yeah, I actually really liked the fact that Ember Moon won here. I thought it made her look strong, especially against Sasha. So yeah, it was a good match overall.
0: This is this is the type of writing I hate. Though afterwards, she said that she was over the moon about winning. Suffering fucking suffolk suck dash or whatever the hell. Renee Young had a sit-down interview with Bobby Lashley where he talked about his sisters. This is the weirdest, most awkward thing. I want to know if, if Bobby Lashley was thinking to himself, you know, I was in Impact Wrestling, but I was walking Armageddon. What the fuck am I talking about my sisters with her damn towel that I threw down someone's throat? Like, what the hell was all this? This is a series of stuff to try to, like, humanize him. Great. But if this is it, really horrible. How'd you like it?
1: I thought it was fine. I mean, it, it, at least it had like a, you know, a feel of an actual sit-down interview. I think it was weird that he focused on his sisters so long and not like his previous wrestling accomplishments. So maybe you're right, and this is a thing to kind of humanize him and then talk about his wrestling um, background and that kind of stuff.
0: It was just strange, man. Like, you know, it was like one of them always carried this, and then I hid it in her room, and then sh- she... Cut me right over on top. All right, whatever. Anyways, name him stick. Jinder <laughs> defeated Chad Gable. Fun stuff. Gender's going to be going against Roman Reigns soon. Yay! I'm going to start rooting for Jinder now. Weird. German Tap McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler defeated Heath Slater and Rhino. Um, Butter defeated Elias. I guess that was it for this fucking thing that they gave a segment of a pay per view for. I don't even know. I see match. Not a bad match with Mojo Raleigh with Seth Rollins. I like how he's doing a um you know, open challenge sort of thing. Uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt defeated Stay Tuned, I think is their name now. I'm not sure. And then Finn Balor defeated Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns. That was a pretty good match. I wasn't I was actually surprised that Roman didn't win. I knew Sammy wasn't. But I did not think Finn was, so I like that.
1: Did you want to comment Do on any of they... those things, buddy? Yeah, I was like, how the fuck would they give him a win after what happened at the pay per view the night before? (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) maybe they were like, all right, let's just give it to Finn. I don't know, (laughs) but uh, yeah, (laughs) they still did (laughs) it in a screwy. They still did it in a screwy fucking finish, though. I thought Sami Zayn looked really good in that match, by the way.
0: I, I did enjoy the match. All right, so next night, SmackDown, Miz defeated Jeff Hardy. Uh I don't think yeah this is this is one of the people are complaining that Miz should or should have been more like better about rolling him up or something like that, like it wasn't realistic. I have no idea, I thought the match was fine. I didn't think Jeff Hardy was gonna win. This is the u s champion he's the us champion, Baron Corbin um
1: do you have a problem with that at all
0: uh
1: no, I you know, I watched the match, but I wasn't paying, like, real close to the roll up on it. So, I mean, it could have looked a little wonky, but, you know, whatever. It's a roll up finish.
0: Well, people are just saying that he shouldn't, if he just got hit by the, the swan-time bomb, that he shouldn't be able to roll him up immediately, like, he'd be in pain. And I'm saying he just took a swan-time bomb, so if he can roll him up, that would happen in real life. Because, literally, Jeff Hardy just puts all of his weight on him. So, if he's able to do it, I think that no one should be complaining. You know? I...
1: Uh, then, I don't then know, yeah, one, I guess that, Charlotte... that's weird, you know but that? it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, well, to me, it's just, I mean, in theory, if you dumped off the top rope, it hurts you as well. So that, I guess that's what they were going for. But, yeah, it was a little silly, but whatever. It's a roll-up finish, so it doesn't really matter. They could have did it a hundred different ways. It still would be a shitty roll-up finish. Charlotte. Yep.
0: Uh, Money in the Bank, uh, Charlotte Flair defeated Peyton Royce. I'm glad that Charlotte's going to be involved in it. I don't think she's going to win it, though, for some reason. Uh, not that great of a match. Uh, I've seen, and I like Peyton Norris, I just don't think that either her or Charlotte clicked or something. I don't know. And Shinsuke told Renee Young that he doesn't speak English again, that him and AJ are not finished. Uh, Cesaro defeated Xavier Woods. Um, yeah. And then Mandy Rose. I wonder how uh, Sheamus feels about that. I would bring that up. Like, if they, if they were to win next week, so one of them qualifies, they'd be like, Sheamus, look. You're washed up, man. You lost against Xavier. I beat him. So Cesaro's going there. Yeah. So it's either going to be Cesaro or uh, whatever. Um, Kofi Kingston. Those are my two choices. Anyways, I'm sorry. Mandy Rose defeated Becky Lynch. Uh, very weird to see Becky lose. And I guess the, the storyline they're going with there, fine, if it's going to be a storyline. I'm just wondering what the fuck the payoff's going to be. Um, and Mandy Rose has one of the most boring, long entrances ever. And she's beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. And um, I'll let you want to comment on any of that before we go into the last subject,
1: last match. Uh, I just will. I will just say, as I've said like many times before, having someone going a losing streak never fucking helps them if you're trying to get them over as a face. It, it only worked with Daniel Bryan because it was so over the top, ridiculous, and the fans knew that it was being done on purpose. That, but it's not gonna work for anyone not Daniel Bryan. That's it. That's all I had. Chris? Dane. Yes, sir.
0: All right. Losing you right at the end. All right. So the big thing, Rusev, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan lost. I thought they had a great match. I think this and the Miz uh, Seth Rollins match were my two favorite WWE matches since we last uh, had our show. But Daniel Bryan lost. I think I know why they did it. I already talked about it. They don't want to put Daniel Bryan in the ladder match. And I think it's good that they gave Rusev this win. I think this kind of shows that they're willing
1: to give Rusev a little bit. I don't think
0: he's going to win in the Money in the Bank
1: match. But
0: I think it was good. What did you think?
1: Uh, I just I basically agree with you on that one, um, kind of when we talked about it early. I do think it is good Rusev got a win, especially after taking that loss from the Undertaker. But that was – you know. He actually looked better than John Cena did, so it you know it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I just think that people are, are really worried about it, and I don't think that they should necessarily feel like that. I think that maybe Rusev Day is going to be on the day that he cashes in the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then he wins. And yeah, besides, we're going to see Rusev and Braun Strowman be able to square off. I think that's going to be a lot of fun by itself. But either way, that was another wonderful show of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I want to thank all of you guys for listening out there. Remember, we got Full Court Press. We had an episode last night. We got another one tomorrow. Then we got Geek Vibes Live on Sunday. We got the Top 10 show on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, Sunday's show we're trying to figure out a new time. But I will let uh, Chris have it for a second and uh, exit all of you wonderful people out there.
1: Exit. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a great week. Love you guys.
0: And tomorrow, I was able finally, or me and Kanan, I should say, we're able to finally get Ken Shamrock set in stone. I will be uh, interviewing him at 5 o'clock, guys, so definitely tune in for that at 5 o'clock EST. Um, yeah, so that should be a lot of fun. But uh, you guys have an incredible evening out there. And, uh, you know, stay geeky, San Diego, or whatever the heck I used to say all the time. And I'm trying to find my life. Listen up, slap nuts. This is the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance.